0: Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello, everybody. It's good to be here with you today and those of you watching us from home in your PJs. Um we're going to start a Christmas series today, uh, we put our heads together, uh, uh, those, all the different preachers at New Beginnings, and we came up with this series, <clears throat> and hopefully it's going to be a good one. I just want to make a correction though, you know, Charlie said that it was a hot rod set when I was seven, and what I said this morning in practice was, it was a road race set when I was nine, Okay. <laughs> So as a Bible teacher, I like correctness. So I wanted to set that record straight. And so, um, you know, at my house, uh, my my wife really loves Christmas. I, I like Christmas too. I like it from Thanksgiving onwards. I love Thanksgiving a lot. And um, Chris, And by the way, how many of you are, uh, you you go with a real Christmas tree? Say amen. amen. How many of you go with a not real Christmas tree? Say Amen. amen. You sounded sad. <laughs> oh Amen. Yeah. Yeah, we go with a not real one. How many of you remember those? Um, the since it's Christmas, remember those? Uh, I used to. Thought, I thought they were so cool as a kid. Remember the aluminum trees with the three lights? And, remember those? How many of you have no clue what I'm talking about? When those, are, yeah, that means you're young, okay? Yeah, we we get it, okay? Yeah, you have to rub it in, but yeah, I thought those were the coolest things ever. What were the colors? Red, yellow, and blue. Yeah. Is that what? Correct, right there. Okay, yeah, I thought they were Sony, But my wife, she uh, really loves Christmas, and she decorates the, the entire house. She actually puts up the lights on the outside of the house every year. If you go, okay, God bless you, okay. She does that. Do you, my wife, even mows the lawn for me? She, choo- I don't force her. She chooses to because she loves me, okay? No, but she likes, I do all the edgy and everything else, but she does all that stuff. She likes doing it, so she's out there doing it. But she puts up all, all the exterior light, uh, decorations and then she does the interior. In fact, this year, uh, in, in, let me tell you something about Christmas. I know now, you saw my daughter singing. She's ready to explode, right? Did you see her up here singing? She's seven months, so she's ready to bring uh, my third grandchild into the world. And so, yeah, they're coming, they're coming fast now, you know. I waited a long time, and now they, they won't stop. So just that means this, all right? But... um. And and so um what was it? Oh yeah, my wife, I know she's going to look for a Santa costume for me. Can you I know I know she's gonna do it because she wants Santa to come out when these kids get a little, get a little bigger. And I thought, you know, a Mexican Santa? Really? And I thought he's not gonna say ho ho ho. He's gonna say, Oh, oh, orale, Santa's here. No. I'm not. <laughs> I just had to say that okay. <laughs> Sometimes my ethnicity comes out. Um, but my wife, it was uh, mid-November, and uh, she put up our outside Christmas lights November the 18th. It wasn't even Thanksgiving yet, and I thought, well, that's a little early, but here's my, my thought on this, and I didn't want to probe too deeply because, you know, it's her gig, and so she saw a home down the street from us that already had their Christmas lights on, and I think when she saw that somewhere around November 15th, I think that offended her because she wasn't first. I think, okay. And so she put up our Christmas lights on November 18th. So, but here's what happened. When she put everything up outside, um, she, you know those, how they have all those decorations outside. They have the reindeer up and down. They're like wire mesh. You guys know what I'm talking about? She couldn't find Santa. And she's like, where's, I can't find Santa. Because she has a Santa and goes, I, I can't find him. Have you seen him? I go, <laughs> have I seen Santa you know and she goes maybe he's in the garage and she's walking around, she can't find Santa and I'm thinking well, I wanted to say stuff but I didn't say it because I knew it wasn't funny all right for her but for me it was I thought well maybe he took a wrong turn at the gallery I know I'm thinking these things <laughs> or maybe Rudolph got rebellious and stayed on the 15 freeway and kept going south to San Diego I don't know you know I want I like saying stuff like that but sometimes how many husbands know that sometimes you shouldn't say stuff because it's smarter just to keep it to yourself. Any lady say amen to that? lady Oh, now it's already amen. Yeah, amen, brothers. Yeah, preach it. Change the message to that right there. Um, and so uh, I thought, well, what would happen if we didn't find that wire mesh Santa? Are we going to cancel Christmas? Is, is it over? Is it done if we don't find him? And I thought, no, it doesn't cancel. Because Christmas isn't about the decorations per se, and it isn't about finding Santa wherever he's hidden at. And By the way, she finally found him, all right, which whew, saved Christmas at, at the Del Campo house. And so today we're going to talk about this idea that... Um, or the whole series we came up with is Christmas Isn't Cancel. And the reason we thought about it is because, you know, we live in weird times right now. Do we not? It's just different. It's just really weird. And, you know, I've, um, I, I, you know, some of us who are around my age, we've seen a lot of strange stuff in our lifetime. Have we not? We've seen a lot of cool stuff in our lifetime. There's just the changes that have been so dramatic, and now we've had a really weird year, and I think most of us are ready for the year to be over, but, um, the whole thing now is that, you know, they want, they're, they're they're saying that we have to stay put now, and, you know, stay at home orders, that's the latest thing, is it not? Because sometimes I can't keep up with all this stuff, and, uh, and so obviously we're in church, so obviously you know how I feel about things, but, uh, that's another story, all right, but, um, so, you know, the idea that, you know, you felt like, are they going to cancel Thanksgiving? We can't gather with our families. And how many know, like, on July 4th, that didn't stop any Californians, you know, but, um, or Americans, because we're free people. And so um, Christmas, you know, they're, they're going to put some, I think they're going to put some strong stay-home orders, but, you know, almost like there's a cancellation of Christmas. But can you really cancel Christmas? There's just no way you can cancel Christmas. And that's the road I want to take us down today. But before I do, because that's the whole serious message, and that's today's message title, but I want to take us to the key verse for this series, and I want us to read this verse first, since it's our first time in this four-week series. Uh, so it's Isaiah nine six, and it's talking about the Messiah to be born, the Messiah to come. This is spoken like, oh my gosh, thousands, um, hundreds of years before Jesus ever came on the scene. Let's read it. It says, "For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government." will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now, the reason this verse is chosen in this Christmas Isn't canceled series is because it says a child will be born to us. It says a son will be given. The government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called... Da, 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 da. And when you read all those things, you realize that when God says it's going to happen, no one can cancel it, correct? Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You can't cancel God's word, and you can't cancel God's will. And there were attempts to even stop the Messiah from ever being born, and then we know there were attempts on his life afterwards. There was even an attempt on his life while Jesus was crossing a storm. Remember that story? So there's always an attempt to cancel Jesus out, to cancel who He is, to cancel this thing. But there's an attempt to cancel Christmas. So our tagline is this, God's will is not a maybe. Say that with me, one, two, three. God's will is not maybe. And aren't you glad it's not? No, aren't you glad it's not? That God's will is not a maybe. Now, your, your problem and my problem is the same, time. We don't know how long, how much time it takes for a certain thing that God has spoken to us that's going to happen, and we get a little bit impatient. Any amens? And that's always our our problem. That's my problem. We all have that same problem. So what I want to do is I want to begin today, and I want to look at three verses uh, that Jesus spoke that Matthew wrote down, and it kind of gives us the idea of, um, of what I'm going to be talking today about Christmas isn't canceled. You can't stop it. No matter what you try, no matter what you do, you can't stop. So in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, uh, 20, and 21, let me read it to you. Jesus says this, and it's brilliant. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now he's going to compare it or contrast it. But store up for yourselves treasures in in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. Say the last verse with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, when I look at these verses... Uh, Here's the one thought that comes to me among many thoughts, but the main thought is this. This really is the key to emotional stability in our life. You see, Jesus is giving me a brilliant reality and a brilliant truth. And this is where people's lives crumble or not. He says, don't set your highest affection on things of this world. He's not telling you and I not to love your spouse or your family. He's not telling us not to, uh, you know, uh, save up for retirement. He's not telling us not to own a home or a nice car. Not telling us any of those things. Not to have a nice collection of whatever you collect. Not saying that. But he's saying don't put, don't make those things your highest love and affection. Because it says moth and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal it. In other words, they can be taken away. Can they not? And if they are my highest affection, if this is what I feel like is giving me my life and it's taken away, which it can be taken away, it can be stolen, then I'm going to be an emotional mess because I was banking on that. I was banking on that as a thing that sustains me, that gives me life, that gives me purpose, and gives me reason. He says, don't do that. Instead, make your highest affection heaven. In other words, God. And why does he say that? Because moth and rust cannot get into heaven, can it? No thief can break into heaven and steal Jesus, can they? Jesus is not in heaven going, hope no one breaks in. No, he's not doing that. Because no one can. Because you see, that's a secure place. That's a place that is and, and cannot be altered. So if my highest affection is in God if I put that my treasure is in heaven that's where my heart's going to be I love my wife I love my kids I love my grandkids I love the home that I live in I like my truck a lot I don't love it but I like it a lot you know I like there's a lot of things but that's not my highest affection and if we, make it the, if, we make, if we make God our highest affection, we remain emotionally stable no matter what happens. I'm not going to tell you you're not going to hurt. I'm not going to tell you you're not going to grieve. But you will remain stable, will you not? Because you see, the whole idea is this. It cannot be taken away. God cannot be taken away. Now let's take that stream of thought. And the idea now is that possibly they're going to tell us stay home, stay away from people Christmas the idea of potentially in a sense cancelling Christmas, can they cancel Christmas? no they cannot because Christmas is not primarily external, is it? Christmas is where? it's in your heart, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but where else was Jesus born? in our hearts, and when he's in our hearts, nothing can stop nothing can take it away Jesus was born in my heart, August 12th, 1979, and because he lives internally in me, nothing can stop it, nothing can, now, I want to take that idea, that he cannot be canceled, Christmas cannot be canceled, because it's not primarily external, it's internal, now, um, I want to read Matthew chapter 2, as we get into this, because I want to begin, here's what we're going to do today, i like to tell what we're going to do, I'm going to read a couple verses, And then we're going to talk about, I'm going to share with you a little bit about the main players in these verses. Then we're going to look at point one. And I got two bullet questions in point one. And then we're going to go to point two. And then we're going to got four bullet uh, elements of what a person who continues Christmas or a follower of Christ looks like. And then we're going to bring that baby home. Sound like a plan? Okay, good. Here we go. Let me read Matthew chapter two. This is the Christmas story according to Matthew. Matthew's gospel is written primarily to Jewish people because he quotes so many Old Testament verses which would have been relevant to a Jewish mind. Now, Matthew 2, watch 1 and 2, verse 1 and 2. It says this. These are the key players for today. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread, he was the bread of life that came down from heaven. In Judea, that's the southern part of Israel, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem now watch what they say where is he who has been born king of the Jews now stop in the previous verse who's the king Herod's the king but they come to town and they say where is he born king of the Jews for we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him and by the way there's a Christmas star that's coming up have you read about that Which is not a star, but but it's Mars and Jupiter are going to be right almost parallel to each other according to our line of sight, somewhere around the winter solstice, December 21st, and it's going to be really bright. And so they call it the Christmas star. And we won't see it again for another 60 years, which means I won't get to see it again. Well, I'll look from heaven and tell you young guys all about it. But uh, now the two players in the story are vitally important to understand if we're going to make sense of today's message because one is a Christmas counselor and one is a Christmas continuer. Now, the first players we're gonna talk about are the Magi. The Magi come to town and these guys, and by the way, I know they said, well, there's three. No, we don't know how many there were because there was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Traditionally, they say three, but there could have been 53 for all we know. These guys are Persians and they're traveling about 800 to 1,000 miles and they don't have a car, guys. And they're coming and they're following the star to find this king of the Jews, this Messiah. They are wealthy people. They are upper class of society. They're not ordinary people. And when they come to Jerusalem, they may, there's a ruckus because it's not just a few guys walking in town. They have a massive entourage with them. And they're asking the question, where is this king of the Jews? Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? Now, they're astronomers is what they are back in Persia, which means they study the stars. And that's a very important piece because they say we saw his star, and they follow the star to find the Messiah. Now, my question is this. If I'm you, if I'm me, I'm thinking, how in the world do magi, these astronomers, these uppity-ups in Persia... 800,000 miles away How do they know That there's going to be a Messiah born A Jewish Messiah How do they know to follow a star How do they know that How do they know that one night They look up in the night sky Because they are astronomers And they see an anomaly in the sky And go well that must be A Jewish Messiah is being born How do they come to that conclusion And then to go follow that Is there evidence for it Yes there is you see, what happened, or what it is, is this. In Daniel chapter 5, Daniel was a Jewish young man deported to Babylon. Babylon was conquered by the Persians. Daniel was the only one who was basically in charge of two different empires. Babylon, then Persia, when Persia conquers Babylon. It says in Daniel chapter 5, verse 11, that Daniel is appointed because he distinguishes himself, he's very wise, and he's a servant of God. He's not going to compromise himself in a polytheistic government. He becomes the head of a Magi in Daniel 5.11. It's called the Rob Mag. And you've got to believe that Daniel now, this Jewish man who believes in Yahweh, he begins to tell these magicians, these astronomers, all about this Messiah to come. Because Daniel knows the prophecies. He's even given prophecies to write them out by God. So this is being handed down. But how do they know to follow a star? Where does a star come into play? Well, you have to travel back a bit to Numbers twenty-four, seventeen, and if you remember, a man named Balaam. Balaam's donkey. Any amens on that? Balaam he gives a prophecy because Balaam is he's around that area of Babylon at that time when he's living, and he gives a prophecy, and and the prophecy is that there would be a star, a star would rise out of uh, out of Judea, and he would have a scepter. So they're looking for a star. And he, they, some people believe he started the Magi. I can't prove it, but some people believe that's possible. So that comes into play. They're looking for a king, looking for a star. Daniel tells them all about this Messiah to come. You put it all together, and these Magi are looking for something in the night sky. Are they not? And one day they see something. They see an anomaly. And they say, that's got to be it, because that's very, very unusual. We have never seen this before. And they travel 800 to 1,000 miles and they come looking for the Messiah born, King of the Jews. That's the first set of players, the Magi. The second big player in today is King Herod. Hmm. He's got some good qualities, he's got some real bad qualities. First off, King Herod, his nationality, his ethnicity, he's what's called Idumean. He's one half Jewish and one half Nabataean. If you went to Petra a year and a half ago with us in Israel, there's a Nabateans that built that. He's half that. The other half, he is Jewish. Edomian means he's from Edom, from the descendants of Esau. Esau's twin brother is Jacob. Jacob's descendant is Jesus Christ. So you have Jacob, the twin brothers here, and you go about 19... 100 years, 1800, whatever it is, you go down, and the descendants, Jesus and Herod, are going to meet again. Can you believe that? That's interesting, isn't it? You could do a whole teaching on that, that the older will serve the younger. But Herod, he is a, a, he's a fantastic builder. He builds Masada, he builds Caesarea on the shore where you, you saw where some of you saw where the pool was out there, and there was a, a bay he built, and the hippodrome, and the, and there's an amphitheater there. It's one. Of the, it's the first day of the tour of Israel. He built that. He also built the massive temple at the time of Jesus. He's doing all kinds of building projects, so he's he's a master builder, but he's a crazy man also. You see, this guy when he comes to power, he um he kills three hundred temple court officials he's very paranoid about his position he's always afraid someone's going to take away his position he kills 300 temple court officials he has one of his wives assassinated he has his mother-in-law assassinated he has three of his sons assassinated he's a wild man he's a crazy man I think it was Caesar who said it's better to be Herod's pig than Herod's sons because it's dangerous this guy's crazy so you put that together, paranoid about his position, and he's going to hear that these magi show up and say, where is the new king? How do you think that's going to make him feel? Paranoid to the um, utmost. That's why, and we're going to read later, that he's troubled. And boy, he's troubled, and everybody's troubled with him because they know this is a crazy man in charge of our area. So here we go. First thing we're going to say today is, Herod attempts to cancel Christmas. He's the Christmas canceller. Now, verse 3 in Matthew chapter 2 says this. When Herod the king heard this, he was... Say it loud. He was? Oh, he's troubled, all right. And all Jerusalem with him. Now, <clears throat> Herod hears there's a new king. He's troubled. The word troubled, when you, some of you, when you, when you put your clothes in the washer and you close it, and you know that, that whatever, it starts to move back and forth, right? It's called agitation, correct? It agitates. You know the Greek word for trouble there is? Agitation. It literally means moving to and fro, and to and fro, and to and fro, like your washer does. So when it says that Herod is troubled, it says there's an inner commotion, there's an inner irritation. In, him. in other words, have you ever had a night where you couldn't see because things were troubling you? That's what's going on in Herod. He hears there's a new king in town and he's agitated. He's in backwards, forward, backwards, forward. He's got a problem. He want, and now he's wanting to, want to cancel Christmas. you know what that means? No tamales. That's bad, all right? I thought I'd throw that in, by the way. Now, I want to ask two questions because his, his irritation is, I'm the king, not Jesus. I want to ask two questions off that because that's very important. The first question is Christians. Followers of Christ. Those at home Followers of Christ, who is the real king of our lives? It's easy for me to say Jesus. But don't you sometimes read the scriptures or hear a message and it says to live this way or do this, and you're like, ah, no. The moment we say, ah, no, who's the king? We are. It's so easy to say that Jesus is the king. I think we need to be careful with that sometimes. I mean, he is the real king, but sometimes we can be the king of our own lives. Let me share something with you on a micro than a macro level in my observations. I couldn't, you know, something's just really... I, I don't fully understand why... But a couple of people shared with me over this year because, boy, we had a lot of turmoil in America. And I heard about some families because some family members were on the Republican side, some family members were on the Democratic side. And in some families, they wouldn't even talk to each other anymore because of that. I thought, how puny are we? That you won't talk to your own blood? That you would cut them off? Like Herod wanted to cut off Jesus? You see, it doesn't make sense to me. Because what happens is, when we say, no, my way's the right way, I cut you off, we become little dictators, do we not? And who's the real king at that moment? Us. We fall into the trap of Eve. Eve, you'll be a god. You, you're the shot caller. Oh. Have you ever come to the realization that um, people in our country, and some of us, worship politics? Have you ever realized that? No, have you realized that yet? It's all right, left. You know what happens when we go too far in that? We forget there's an up-down, huh? That there's God. And if we're not careful, I'm not going to talk to them. They're they're on the wrong side. Really? John, one of the disciples... He writes, and he was a guy that wanted to charbroil people, remember? They didn't want to let Jesus go to Samaria. You want me to call fire down from heaven and and kill him? You know, that's a real loving guy, huh? But then something changes, and then he writes in 1 John, he says, if you hate anyone, in other words, you want to cut them off, you don't like them, you're not going to forgive them, I'm not going to talk to them anymore, whatever it is, if you hate anyone like, then guess what? You don't even love God. You cannot possibly love God. Because how can you love someone you can't see and hate someone you can't see? It's a, he makes a logical point. See, we can do, we can become these little dictators on a micro level in our own world just because somebody doesn't agree with us. And then there's no more love there. And love is what conquers all, is it not? Now let me take it on a macro, no, let me, let me throw an illustration. I forgot about this So what time is it? Yeah, okay, i got to hurry. Because i got a long way to go. So um, I had a procedure I had to have done at at the hospital uh, about three weeks ago. Uh, I won't tell you what it is. It's just real fun once you turn 50. But anyway. (laughs) Some of you know exactly what it was, huh? Um, Yeah. And someone from New Beginnings, a nurse from New Beginnings, was my nurse in the room. Oh, no. <laughs> I said, you'll never look at me the same again, will you? That's what I told her. And we just laughed. Hey, I want to be out cold, so whatever. Um, but I'm driving because they said you got to go get a COVID test. Otherwise, you can't come to get the procedure. Okay, so I go get the COVID test. They stick that thing. On my, I thought it was coming out of the top of my head. And, of course, I didn't have COVID. Thank, praise the Lord. But while I was driving there, my buddy from up north, you know my rich buddy? Um, and he starts talking, and he instantly starts Oh man They should have shut everything down Back in January They should have shut it down Had everybody stay I mean he's just I Just instantly Boom, 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 boom Because his son lives in Australia They should have done what they did Nobody could go anywhere For two months You could maybe travel a mile get stuff And that was it Then they opened up Then they shut it down again For two more months No one can go anywhere And I'm, I'm listening to all this And he's rattling on And finally, finally calms down I said Real calm I said Phil I don't agree with anything You just said What (laughs) Ah, ah, He's going great I go And I said I don't agree with this And this because of this I don't agree with this And because And by the way Everybody has their own opinions Right And you respect Everybody's opinion I wasn't mad at him I am just saying I don't agree with you And so we're going Back and forth And and then finally He knows I'm not going to budge And he just starts laughing And that was the right thing to do You know why Because we've been friends since we were 11 20 years now (laughs) (laughs) We're taking names But anyway Because we're friends Just because we disagree with each other Doesn't mean we're going to cut each other off Doesn't mean we're going to hate each other If you disagree with me I'll still respect you And I'll defend your right to believe what you believe but we live in a time frame now, and some people think they're little dictators, huh? Yeah. They walk around thinking you better believe the way I think, or else I'm going to get in your face, and you're wrong, or I'm going to cut you off. That is so wrong. That goes back to Genesis three. You're going to be a god. Now let me give you a macro level, because this is where it gets dangerous. Um, uh, some of you probably heard of Frederick Nietzsche. He made the, coined the phrase in the late 1800s, "God is dead." He said that we no longer needed God. He was a fairy tale, this and that, and we've figured it out for ourselves. Science has proven all this stuff. He dies in 1900, but he made a prediction. He said, because God is dead and no more God and God will be gone, in the 20th century, which is 1900, he said it would be the bloodiest century ever. And it was. I mean, it was by far the bloodiest century ever. And why? He said, well, because there would be no more God, there's no more morality. There's nothing to hold man in check. You see, man is depraved, is he not? And depraved, in case you don't know what that New Testament word means, a very wicked mind. You and I both know, left to ourselves, we can come up with some pretty wicked stuff in our head. Any amens? Let's be really honest. The problem with the world is not everybody else. It's you and it's me. It's every one of us. And you eliminate God... And you get people in positions of power who get absolute authority, to eliminate God, guess what? Because of depravity. They're going to do a lot of damage, are they not? You got all the dictators walking around. Just check out history history keeps repeating itself. There is nothing new under the sun. So, on a macro level, you know, when you say Jesus isn't the king, I'm the king, now I make up my own morality, my own right and wrong. I eliminate what God says, the moral lawgiver who creates the moral law, then I can do what I want, and I'm going to begin to hurt people. That's what happens on a wide scale. So, this is a very important point. This canceling of Christmas, this canceling of Jesus. Who's the real king? Let me give you the second bullet question, and that's this Could I be canceling Christmas and other people? This is, the, this is the question for the Christians. Watch what Herod says. Watch closely to his words in verse 7 and 8. He says, Then Herod secretly called the magi because he knows what's going on. Here's a scuttlebutt out there. They're out there saying there's a new king in town. So he calls the magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. When did the star appear? Huh. He wants to know when. So he wants to know when Jesus was born. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Does he want to worship him? What does he want to do? Oh, so you're telling me that he's saying the right thing, but he's going to do the wrong thing. Any amens on that, right? So what he's saying and what he's doing are not consistent, are they? He's a Christmas counselor. See, as a Christian, we have to be very careful. Could we be canceling Jesus and other people? Because we say the right things, but boy, we sure live something different. And all of our friendship circles or family or wherever it is, work, we talk a good talk, but boy, we turn around and act completely different because that's what this guy's doing right here. Watch what Mark writes of what Jesus said in Mark chapter seven, verse six through eight. He says this, and he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. He's writing to church folk. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. Ah. But in vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines the precepts of men. They're going, man's tradition over God's law. Neglecting the commandment of God, you, come on, hold to the tradition of men. Ah. Uh. He's saying, look, we can't be people who say all the right stuff spiritually and then live something different because we're here to win the world. And what is the world looking at us thinking? It can't be real because there's nothing really changed about that person. They're talking it right, but they're not living it. You know what Jesus told the Pharisees one day? It's an interesting, or heavy statement. He says, you travel about on sea and land to make one convert. You go to great lengths to to win someone to God. He said, but when he becomes one, when you make that convert, he says, you make him twice the son of hell as you are. In other words, you lead him to Christ, but your lifestyle leads them away from living the way Christ would want them to live. You know, we've got to be careful with that, huh? Look, I'm going to tell you something I'm guilty of, we're all guilty of, but I think it's a proper illustration of this. I mean, let's be honest. Every one of us in this room, more than likely, has called Governor Newsom a hypocrite in our heart or in our mouth, right? You don't have to weigh men in that one, Okay. Especially when you saw him at that restaurant. Okay, now, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not a hypocrite either. I'm not. You live up to everything you say. Do you? Do you live up to everything you say out of the sea? None of us do. We try. You see, you got to be careful. Because if you start calling hypocrisy, you're going to get angry. And then when you get angry, you start to talk. it's toxic now in you. Be careful. Take the log out before you want to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. It's easy to point fingers at someone in the public eye <laughs> because that guy's under great scrutiny. Anybody in the public eye knows that. But just be careful. I'm not saying you can't disagree with what he did. But be careful with those things. Herod was a Christmas canceler, but he couldn't cancel Christmas. Now let's look at the Christmas continuers because they're the fun guys, okay? The magi. That's point two. The magi continue Christmas. Now back in verse two, it says, they come to town and they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now I want to give you four pretty quick thoughts about what a Christmas continuer or what a follower of Christ actually looks like. Because these are the things you and I as followers of Christ, we should, these should be consistencies in our life if we're going to continue this whole Jesus thing that he's born in us and Christmas lives in our heart, etc. Now, the first thing is this. They desire to be with him. Their whole thing is, where is he? I want to be around him. I want to go find him. They've traveled 800 miles. That tells you where their treasure is. Their treasure is to find him. That's where their heart is. Any Amen. How far will you travel to worship Jesus? How good lengths will you go to be with Him? Now, <clears throat> that, means, um, that means they have a deep desire and a hunger to be with Jesus. Could you, where is your, I, I'm going to get too hyped up, i got to slow down. <laughs> where is your hunger level for Jesus right now? Come on, be honest with yourself. Did it used to be here, but now it's way down here? Where's the hunger level at? See, the shutdowns, as a pastor, I have to look at things spiritually, logically, and reality is there are many people that are getting, uh, they're beginning to be lulled into comfortability on Sundays, are they not? And that's what's happening. If you want to know the real reason, the foundational reason why I opened up, even though the order said, do not open up, is because I could see in my church and other churches, That there was a demonic thing Behind the whole thing I'm not saying Newsom is I'm not saying that I really believe in his heart He's doing the right thing I don't always agree with him But I think he he thinks that But I thought There's a demonic thing They're going to destroy the churches And so I had to make a call And I made that decision And so I said We're going for it And I'll just have to face The consequences when they come Because there are churches That will never make it back They'll never make it back There are Christians That you're never going to come back Are you? Because it's too comfortable now. <laughs> they desire to be with Jesus. That's a great thing. Oh, I got to move fast. I'm running out of time. The second thing is this: they acknowledge Him as the only King. They acknowledge Him; He's the only King. Notice, uh, if He says, "Where is He born? King of the Jews?" Now, Galatians two twenty says this. Paul writes in the New Testament: "I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives." in me see he's in me that's where my treasure is right here you can cancel it out there but you can't cancel in here and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for little old me can I tell you the secret of living a life of transformation of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ because the secret's right there there are. If you ever walked into what, the days when you used to walk into bookstores, I know they're going to become obsolete now. You have everything on your phone. But you walk in. Remember this section, self-help. You ever notice those? I mean, my gosh, we got a lot of help for self there. <laughs> Do you know that Christianity is not self-help? Did you know that? How can you and I save ourselves? It's not. Jesus is not into self-help. He's into self-replacement. See, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I live with Christ who lives in me. I've been replaced. And once I've allowed Jesus to replace me, guess what? The power flows now to be able to transform. Does that make any sense? When I acknowledged, when I became a Christian, I didn't understand in the beginning, but as years went by, I understood, now I understand. It's not about me, it's not my life. It's Jesus in me, and I'm a follower. Right? deny yourself take up your cross follow him following means a path a direction I have to move where he's moving the reason why we don't change or get stuck somewhere or we change one thing and then another addiction pops up or something over here is because we're just transferring these addictions instead of allowing self replacement to happen am I making any sense he's the king not me when the scriptures say that that's what I do because he lives in me that's just what it is I don't, I'm not going to argue with it. The third thing about a true follower, a Christmas continuer is, they desire to worship Him. These guys travel 800 to 1,000 miles, no car, no plane, no speed, bullet train, nothing like that, to come to worship Him. Hmm. Can't even get out of our pajamas. The worship of Jesus is the utmost. The fellowship with the saints is of the utmost. The fourth thing is this I gotta move on. They testify of his life. They come to town and they say, Where is he? Where is he born king of the Jews? Now, they don't say the name of Jesus, they don't even know his name. But where is he born king of the Jews? And by the way, by the time they get there, Jesus is probably nearing two years of age. So I know I just blew it on your nativity scenes, <laughs> but don't throw them away, okay? I'm going to make it worse for you even next week on real stuff, okay? And now, <clears throat> they come and tell us we saw a star. You know, we live in a day now where they tell us, keep Jesus to yourself, huh? Boy, but you can talk about Buddha and Allah and everything else. But not Jesus. And why? You ever think about why that is? You ever think about why Jesus? Don't talk about him. Because the other ones are dead. And Jesus is alive. And every demon knows that. Why does it create such a stir, such a tenseness when you bring up Jesus? Because the demons, if you could see them, they're like, "Ah!" You know, they're doing all kinds of stuff. (laughs) I'm being, I know it's funny, but I'm being honest. It's a real demonic, angelic battle. God, Satan, it's really true. It's a real, real deal. And the big thing nowadays is keep it to yourself. Did Jesus say to keep it to yourself? Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh Uh-uh. You don't keep it to yourself. You take every opportunity possible. Now, I gotta gotta finish. I just gotta finish. It's so much more I wanna say, too, but... um, because of the heart motivation in the Magi, <laughs> they find Jesus, they worship Jesus, they experience their own Christmas, they give gifts to Jesus. That's interesting. Some of us won't give anything to Jesus, <laughs> they give gifts, they celebrate Christmas. It's not going to be stolen. It's not going to be taken away. can't be taken away. It's in the heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. But there's a contrast, huh? Herod, he tries to cancel Christmas. We know that he goes out and has all the boys, male children, two years and under, two years and under, because he ascertains what time they saw the star. He calculates the time. Jesus is nearing two years of age. By the time the magi get to the house, not the manger anymore, in Matthew 2, and find Jesus. And he's angry. And he's agitated. You ever notice that people who try to edit Jesus and cancel him out, they're just angry people? No, have you ever noticed that? Some of them get really angry. Really? That's the way we want to live? Angry? You can disagree. But why get so angry about it? See, Herod tried to stop it externally, but you can't stop it. Christmas is internal. It's internal. No matter what they do, no matter what happens, and by the way, you think these are somewhat perilous times we live in? This is nothing compared to the Roman Empire that Jesus and Paul and all the gang ministered in. Did you ever think about that? It's nothing compared to that. But I'll tell you a bigger secret. There's a cross that now stands at the Colosseum. Guess who won? Not the Roman Empire that tried to extinguish Christianity, Christianity outdid the Roman Empire. Never forget that. When they shut down China because of communism, no one could go in or out. It was we were wondering on the outside not me but people Christian out there, what would, what happened to the church in there? When it finally opened up, they found that through all the persecution and all the intense and wiping out of the churches and church underground, the church grew by millions and millions. Don't you ever wonder that sometimes we just need a big shaking up as Christians? We just do sometimes, and God knows it. And God's okay with it. Did you know that? Because otherwise, some of us, it's like the old saying goes, we're just no good till we're like a teabag. We're no good till we get in hot water. We need shaking up now. I got to finish this way. Uh, I wanted to say something, but I don't have time. Okay, I'm a movie guy. <laughs> I know it's shocking. I've talked about this movie many times. It's one of my favorites of all time. Can you guess which one? Gladiator. Gladiator is one, but not today. Shawshank. 26 years. I gave you 26 years. I won't tell you the ending in case you never saw it because it's fantastic. You've got to see the whole thing. But it's a story about Andy Dufresne. And uh, his wife is killed, and they blame him for it. They take him to court, and he's sent to prison. He's innocent. He spends a couple decades in prison. While in prison, he keeps uh, writing to the state because he wants to start a library in the prison. Keeps getting no, no, writes letters every week. I think it took six years. And finally, one day, all these used books come in, plus a record player and albums. Some of you go, what's an album? I'll make it easy for It's a 33. Does that make it easier? There, was, there were 45s, 33s, and what was the other one? 78s, that's right. I never had a 78. And he's in the office and he locks the door of the prison. And there's a microphone there that where you can speak in the mic and it goes to every place in the prison. He puts on one of the records of an Italian opera singer and it's, she's singing beautifully and he takes the mic and he puts it to the, to the record player the hi-fi he so said what's a hi-fi you'll, you'll find out later and she's singing through this record's playing through the whole prison and of course the guards the warden they're mad they come in there and he's got the door locked open it up they won't open it up and then he's about to turn it up and what does he do turns it louder you got to understand that he's so powerless. It's the only time you have power. And he only has power for two seconds. They break the window, open the door, (laughs) the music stops. They throw him in the hole for two weeks. He gets out of the hole. He comes to the culinary where where they eat at, to his buddies, and they said, how was it? he goes, it was the easiest two weeks I've ever done. Oh, come on. There's no easy weeks in the hole in solitary confinement. He goes, yeah. He goes, I think he said, I took my friend Mozart with me. And one guy says, they let you lug that record player inside there, he goes, no, no, it's in here, it's in here. And then he makes a profound statement. They can't take that away from me because it's in here. They could take the record player away, they could take the album away. They could take the mic away. But it's still, the music plays in here. And you can't take that away. You know, when it comes to Christmas, last thought, you know, they can do stay-home orders, they can do all kinds of things, and, but they can't take this away because Jesus lives in our heart, does he not? And never forget that. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Would you stand up with me? I'm going to go ahead and pray because I, I did go a little long today and we have another service coming in. And So right now I'm going to sing a song. <laughs> no, no. no, I'm not here. I just want to pray before I let you go. some things I want to remind you of too but let me pray Lord as we just began this series Christmas isn't canceled somebody tried to couldn't do it somebody and a group of people continued it because the treasure the heart was in Jesus see our Jesus is in our hearts so it's internal And no one can take that away. No matter what happens externally, no one can take that away. So it keeps us emotionally stable because nobody could take away Jesus. Nobody could take away Christmas. Christmas isn't canceled. A child will be born. A son will be given. The government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called. It's going to happen. God's word, God's will cannot be stopped. Christmas isn't canceled. And I prayed that we take that with us. And I pray something in this message resonated here. And those of you watching at home, those of you gonna watch this during the week or later tonight, let's remember some of the things that were spoken. And so we thank you, Jesus. You're so good to us. Help us remember it's not self improvement, self replacement. We are not little dictators. You're God, we're not. What you say goes. And we thank you, Jesus, that because of that reality, we can be conformed to your image day by day and reach a world that so desperately needs you. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Norco or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.